1: But I am so glad to be actually speaking about this topic. We're in the fourth week of our series called Defeating Depression. And before I want to move into my bulk of the message is I just want to say how appreciative I am of this church for speaking on such a topic like this. Um, I am 30 years old, so not too old, but old enough to have been through multiple church cultures. And one thing that I have noticed in my experience and short experience has been churches t- typically don't talk about subjects that are difficult to walk through. Um, sometimes or maybe what I grew up in and maybe some of you didn't, but a lot of church culture I felt I grew up in didn't really tackle subjects like this to where it kind of left the congregation to figure it out on their own and just look at scripture and read stories that maybe that make you feel good or make you walk in a way like you're an amazing person. But when it came to these difficult subjects, the church and church culture I grew up in shied away from it. And I'm really glad to be a part of a church that's not like that. I'm glad to be a part of a church that will walk through a difficult season with you. We'll talk about the realities of it, but not just leave you in that space, but also show you ways to walk through it, ways that you can seek some help and hopefully things that will improve whatever you're battling today. So I'm just very thankful that I'm part of a church that does that and glad that you are here to do so. So the question that you and I are kind of going to be thinking through that I'll be speaking through is this idea of what are the people getting better doing what are the people who are getting better what are they doing and when I thought about this question when I was preparing for um, this lesson is in regards to that the way this always came across my mind was in a physical form so obviously um, I'm very muscular as you can tell and the laughs no that's not that's not wasn't a joke but it's all right I'll just take a moment, Um, but this question always came through my mind in regards of physical fitness, and it was actually something that was more realistic for me right when I graduated high school, Um, and I graduated, and I played basketball all four years, and I noticed that I could have been in better shape. My dad claps because he thinks I'm the best basketball player in the world. I'm I'm average. As people say nowadays, I'm mid, Um, but this question always came across my mind in the sense of a physical form. Meaning, man, all these guys on my basketball team, they're like pretty fit. And there I was, kind of like the, the awkward, like chubby, like middle ground where it was like cool, but also not cool. I used to go to Walmart and a shop in this section, and the pants I remember buying were called Husky. And I didn't know how I felt about that. I'm like, is it cool because it's like an awesome dog, or should I be like considered about that word? So I never like felt comfortable, right? And I would always see people around me being like, man, these guys, and they're in shape. They're like running down the court. They have awesome abs, and here I am having a single ab. Man, what are they doing? to have like this physical fitness that I wish I could have. What, what are they practicing? What are they eating? What aren't they eating? What are the things that they are doing? This question always came in the form of a physical sense for me. But when we talk about this idea of, of depression and talk about anxiety and stress and mental health, what I want you to be thinking in the terms of, imagine someone that you know that's closest to you who's really good at practicing um, healthy patterns of having good mental health What are the things that they are doing? What are the rhythms in life that they have that are setting them up to have the best possible mental health that they can and the things that God calls us to? And before we get into it, I want to say two things that was shared with me that was very helpful for someone who was and still is going through things very similarly. It's this first point that peace is possible. Peace is possible. No matter what you're going through right now, whether it's directly related to this subject or it's something different, peace is possible. Scripture talks all the time of God giving us peace that surpasses understanding, that some of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. There is peace no matter what you're in the midst of right now, whether you could say it's an easy season for you and you're walking through it with grace and you're smiling, or if it's a difficult season for you and you feel like there is no end, peace is possible. The second thing that was given to me that was very helpful is this will be your testimony, not your long standing reality. Meaning that same thing, whatever you're walking through, difficult or easy, whatever that may be, is it's not going to go on forever. God uses people's pain. God uses people's struggles and God uses difficult seasons to be your testimony and to share that with people who either are going to go through it or are walking alongside it with you, but it won't last forever. God is gonna use this to be part of your testimony. So when we go back to this question of what are the people getting better doing, here are some things that maybe I thought came up in your mind that might have discouraged you. And if you ever think about doing something for the first time, it's going to benefit you, whether it's mental health, physical health, whatever that may be, there are sometimes doubts that come. And I want to reassure you that when doubts come, they are not from God. If there's anything you're attempting to do that God has called you to, and you're saying, oh, there's this, that, or the other, That's a straight lie from the pit of hell itself. That is something you don't believe in. That is something you don't walk through. And that is something you need to see it, identify it for what it is and say, God has called me to do other than the doubts that are creeping in my head. But here are some doubts that have popped up in my head when I thought about doing things very similar to this subject. Is how did I not know that? Kind of like, that's so obvious. So that time I was super fit, there was a moment, I wouldn't say a moment, there was a period of six months, okay? Six months, I did not eat bread. And let me tell you, I love my bread. And it's probably obvious, but I love <laughs> bread. Once again, the laughter doesn't encourage me. I love, I love bread. And there was six months, I did not have bread. And that was tough. And it was so difficult. And I saw weight just like fall off my body. And I thought, how did I not know that? Like, duh, not eating a bunch of carbs would cut weight? like, how did I know that? Duh, Alec, you're so dumb. The thing about that, I'll say real quickly, is your brain needs carbs to function. So I wouldn't recommend it because you walk around like a Hulk. And I was just like super ripped and like cut, but I was like, uh, like, what do you do? I'm like, this weights. I needed to have a healthy balance of eating carbs and not fully rejecting them. But that was a doubt that came in my head was how did I not know that? It's so easy and so obvious. How come it's something I wasn't already doing? Another one is that'll never work for me. It might work for him or for that person or her, but it's not gonna work for me. Maybe another doubt that may come into your mind that's a from the pit of hell itself. Or I already tried that. Hey, I, you know, I tried to do that. I tried to cut this away or start doing that. But man, I, I just don't think it's gonna work this time around. Or the last one is just plain out, I don't want to do that. And let me tell you, it was difficult to cut out that for six months. And it's even more difficult when it comes to the subject of battling anxiety, stress, and depression. And sometimes you go, I just don't even want to attempt to do it because it is so difficult. But what I want us to do is look at a story in the Bible that I hope will be encouraging to you and will let you know that there is hope in whatever you're going through. So this is Acts chapter 9, and we'll be going through verses 1 through 19. It's a chunk of scripture, but I think it'll be a good story for us to view and to think about so we understand kind of the lens that I want to have on as we talk about this subject today. Um, The character we're looking at is Saul. This guy is formerly known as Paul um, in the church world, but before he was Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, he had a very different objective in his life that he was pursuing that was nothing close to what God had designed him for. We're going to read his whole story and then try to put ourselves in it and see maybe what God is calling us to do that might be similar to Saul's conversion. So once again, um, Acts chapter 9, if you have a Bible, feel free to open it, go on your app, or we have it on the screens for you here. So Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was water baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So before we knew Saul as Paul, he was this guy that was completely against Christianity and the things that Jesus' followers said that he did. So what Saul would do is walk up and he would look for Christians who were following and would say, I'm gonna take you to prison because you're going against the cause that I have for my life and that the true God of the Bible and of the world is about, you're going against him. So imagine us sitting here doing this, having church and Saul walked in, it would not be a good morning for us. So Saul had his life that he was living. He had his rhythms He had his patterns that he was following day to day that he thought were healthy for himself and for the cause he was following. And in the middle of that, we see God interrupt and say, actually, those things that you are doing are not healthy. Those things you are doing are not why I created you. Those actually go against the sole purpose you were designed and we are going to change some things up. And maybe now you're starting to see why we're looking at this story today is sometimes we may have similar patterns in our lives and different things that are causing us not to live healthy lives and maybe even have some mental health and does not set us up appropriately to have the best success we can as followers of Christ. And looking through that story, we see some things that Paul or sorry Saul realizes that he needs help in. The first one is he becomes blind. He can no longer see Things don't make sense. He doesn't know any sort of direction. Next one is he seeks help. He goes, man, I need to go find some help because God has told me to do this. So I'm gonna go out and ask for some help. He gets a mentor named Ananias. And in chapter, or sorry, verses 17 through 19, we see that. He goes to Ananias. Ananias heals him and tells him about what God visited him in a vision and what his life is going to be. The next one, we see him retreat from his normal life. He goes, I used to pursue this. And these were my rhythms and habits, but now I'm going to retreat from these things. And last is he recalibrates. I want us to go real quickly to Galatians chapter one, and we're going through verses 16 through 18. And I think this is so important for us as human beings not just Christians, but for human beings as well. And this is so important, this idea of retreating from life and rethinking our lives and what we're pursuing. This is verse 16 through 18. It says, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stay with him 15 days. So after that story in Acts, Paul, who was formerly known as Saul, now takes three years off from life to say, I need to rethink everything in my entire life because I was living life one way. God met me in the middle of it and called me to live another. How many of us really have that time to do that? How much time do you and I reflect and recognize that we just take a step back from whatever we're doing right now and it doesn't have to be three years because I understand none of us can really live in California and take a step away from our responsibilities for three years, especially our jobs. But how often do we have that time where we just take a step back, reflect about our lives, and we recognize the things that maybe we're doing that are unhealthy, and we recognize what we need to start doing that are healthy? Do we take time to maintain our mental health? Do you honestly take time to do so? Just to get away from something and pause and give yourself some space or some time to just say, I need to breathe. I need to read God's word. I need to allow him to speak into my life and point out the areas that I really need to start paying attention to instead of just going, going, and going. Because Paul did a lot. After that story in Acts, he goes on to write more than half of the New Testament, meaning he did such amazing things for God. But what he understood is he needed to first figure things out before he was able to do the things that God called him to do. He said, I need to rethink my entire life, my rhythms, my patterns, my habits, all these things. I need to pause, reflect, rethink, because God has called me to something that is different than I have been doing my entire life. And I think sometimes as Christians, we feel this pressure, right? That once we pray that prayer or we have that Holy Spirit come to Jesus moment and then we get baptized, we think right after we do those things, immediately we have to have it all figured out. We can't stumble anymore. There's no path that we may fall on or trip on or go back to our former patterns. We think immediately everything has to be figured out. I have to understand it 100% and then I have to live it out perfectly. Let me reassure you, Paul, who did some amazing things, who planted churches, who wrote letters that we are reading 2,000 years later, took three years off to figure things out. So if you're in this room thinking that that's the call of Christianity, we have to stop, rethink, and see what scripture calls us to do. If you're in the middle of a storm, if you're in the middle of something you think you should have gotten figured out a long time ago, or even walking through this building, you have to leave it at the door, I'm here to tell you it's okay. Paul took time. He reflected. He got right with God. He looked at his life and the things he was doing and said, I need to change this if I want to pursue this thing that God is calling me to do. So if that is you, I want to encourage you. It's okay. God has you here in this moment. You're in your storm for a reason. Peace is possible. And this is going to be part of your testimony. There are some things I think that would help us. And being a student's pastor, um, I always have to be careful how I word things. So we're going to look through five words that start with the letter P. I was going to say, we're looking at five P's. But then uh, I remember as a student's pastor, I'd hear a bunch of giggling in the room. because like, oh, he said P. <laughs> so we're looking at five words that start with the letter that I think if we take some time to analyze, we look at some questions that I have written down here, will help us really understand some things that can set us up for the best possible route to having good mental health. So these are the five. It's peace, sorry, pace, patterns, predicaments, perceptions, and physiology. And In a second, we'll go through each one, so don't think you have to quickly write those down, but those are the five that we are going to look at. And the first one I want to highlight is pace. How fast we go and how much do we do? Are you doing too much? Are you not doing enough? Your speed of life does not have to look like your neighbors. Let me just read that again for you and for myself. Your speed of life does not have to look like your neighbors. Have you discussed your pace with people you do life with? See, if we take time to pause and reflect and look at our pace of life, these are some really good questions to do some self-analyzing and saying, what am I doing right now? And Why am I doing it? And at what speed should I maybe change this all up? Because that third point, man, your speed of life does not have to look like your neighbor's is so true. I think Ez did a great job on Mother's Day talking about the pressures, not just that mom's face, but all of us face, to be like the next fill in the blank, the next person keeping up with the Smiths, whatever that looks like, right? Sometimes we have this pressure where we're looking around at people who have great habits, great rhythms, great mental health, and they look as if they're struggling with nothing and their life is perfect. And then we look at ourselves and we go, how come I'm not there yet? Ooh, what a failure I am. God must be so disappointed that I'm not like fill in the blank." Even in the church community, sometimes you see someone like myself or Jamie or just people that are up here with the microphone and you go, man, that person on stage has it all together. I need to be like them. How, how come I'm not there yet with my knowledge of the word? How come I can't pray like that person? I get nervous just praying over me a meal, but man, how come I can't be like that person? Why, I, why I'm not there with my personal faith journey? But like we read in Galatians, Paul took three years off to figure out his pace, to figure out what God called him to do. And it wasn't to compare himself to people. It was, hey, I have such an incredible calling on your life that I need you to figure out something for yourself that works for you and works for my relationship. How many of us have time to do that? To sit down and look at our pace and say, am I just doing too much? Do we need to cut something out? Do we need to start doing something? These are some... Very helpful things for us to practice. Next one is patterns. Are there some unhealthy things in your life that you need to get rid of? For me, it was bread and it worked well. And bread's back in my life, as you could tell. <laughs> draining, good things can be one of them. Good things can be draining. It could be a good pattern you have in your life, but it's just draining you too much. And as a pastor, I can tell you that is such a real thing as part of my calling, is I'm called to do things for the kingdom. And they're great, good things. You see life transformation happen in people. You see kids, because I'm in student ministry, take amazing steps of faith, get baptized, go on to do some awesome things. And we have this pressure as pastors and professional Christians to always wanna go, 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 and do, do, do. See, if I was with students, they would have laughed at me because I said, do, do. (laughs) Seeing if you're paying attention to what I said earlier. But sometimes it's just pressure just to do that very thing. You always have something to do. You gotta always be on because I gotta do good things for the Lord. Well, good things can be very tiring. And I think Paul understood that, that there's gonna be a lot of good he's gonna do for sure. I don't even think he knew 2,000 years later, later people will be reading his letters, but he still took some time off, took some time to relax, to recalibrate. Maybe another unhealthy pattern is a relationship or maybe setting boundaries at work or learning how to say no. How many of us need to learn that, including myself, right? Next one's predicaments. It's noticing special situations in your life and giving yourself a break. I mentioned earlier that all of us are not wired the same and I think that's a godly purpose because if we were all wired the same, the world would be boring because we'd just be the same robot walking around, but God created us very differently from one another. There's some similarities, but very different. And I think we don't understand that to a point where we look at other people around us and we feel like we have to be them, but we don't understand our situations in life, the families we were born into, the things we've experienced, the situations we've been through that can make us a little bit differently than someone else. Or someone else could have had a totally different upbringing that makes them really successful at having good mental health, but your situation could have been different. And that is okay. It doesn't have to all be the same because we weren't wired the same. And God wants to use whatever you and I have been through to be a personal testimony. Another one is perceptions. What assumptions do you make? How can those assumptions be incorrect or need adjusting? Like I need to be like this person. That's an assumption and a lie that's straight from the pit of hell. What is God revealing about your perceptions that need to change? Saul perceived that his life was arresting Christians that are falling the way, and he thought that was the thing he was doing to bring glory to God. And we see God step in there and say, that's not what it is. Here is what your life is gonna look like that I've called you to do. And he had to correct Saul in that and corrected Saul so much that he became Paul. And the last one that I think is super important is physiology. That's looking at our brain health, how we're wired. And something that I think that maybe I grew up in and maybe some of you did too in the church world is that when we talked about physiology, it was almost a thing that was like something that wasn't talked about in church. That you have to ignore that side of things and just focus on God and all the good things about him. But when it comes to the bad things about ourselves that may require some medication and other things that are very important, we think that's a no-no. And that is not true whatsoever. There are Christian doctors, meaning God has ordained someone to be a doctor and use medical things to help you through life. That is not a sin. That's just something that's a supplication. It's a benefit that you and I can use if you need to in order to set yourself up to have a foundation to pursue good mental health. In Matthew 7, there's a verse about a man building a house on on sand or on a rock. And some of us, Just trying to build something on a rock may be a task in itself, and that is okay. I, I, for myself, don't struggle with those things, so it's a little bit easier for me. But if that is your story, that's okay. You don't have to rush to be the person that can start building on a firm foundation right away. God has provided things for us that help us walk through these things, like brain chemistry. Do you even have the capacity to build on a rock? Does that sound exhausting? How do you even start? Those are great questions to ask yourself. Verbal processing, there's licensed therapists who can help you at a level that someone may not be able to. And it's good and it's God-given and it's okay. Psychiatric medication, prescription medication, supplementation, nutrition. These things are good, godly things. Do not think you are sinning and not trusting God enough by taking some sort of medication that sets you up to be the best version of you. That is not a sin. That is encouraged by God to do so physical simulation. Maybe it's just working out. Maybe it's just taking some time off and getting a nice massage to allow yourself to have that breathing space to be able to do these other things that we've been talking about. Like I mentioned earlier, this subject, this is something that I've had to deal with very often. Um, I wouldn't say I have anxiety. I've for sure never had an anxiety attack. Um, Definitely nowhere near depression. Um, There is moments of stress in my life, but I can say I don't really struggle with this. When I was preparing for this message, I was kind of struggling and saying, how do I I make this personal for me? Because it's awesome to share a bunch of facts. It's awesome to share a bunch of things that people have studied and proven that are helpful for individuals. But how do I make this personal for me so I can share with you something that may encourage the rest of you that, Don't struggle with this topic as much. And recently, I I came across some mental health issues. Um, Being a pastor is very difficult. Um, It's very demanding, but it definitely has its joys from it. And I've been working in ministry for about seven years. In September, it'll be around eight. But um, I worked for seven years in ministry, and that was a part of two other churches before I came here to South Hills Church. And I was on fire for God. I remember when I came to Christ for myself and really felt that God was real, God was alive and it was something to me. And I was going to a church and I was on fire and I was serving everywhere. I was serving in preschool ministry. Thank God that's not what God called me to do because I figured it out real quick. It was preschool ministry. I did, um, uh, you know, elementary and that was fun. But still, I'm just like, man, these kids just like, want to eat their boogers and don't want to pay attention to all the great things I want to say about God. Um, I was serving with adults. We went to some awesome mission or local mission trips. We went to Compton and we were re-beautifying houses and painting them and doing some easy kind of ground level work and all these great things. And I was serving everywhere. And I'm like, all right, God, what's it going to be for my life? Because it's not kids. It's definitely not youth. What is it going to be? And God goes, you're actually going to be a student's pastor. And I'm like, that's funny, God. But God called me into student ministry and I've been doing that for the last seven years. And it is great, it is awesome, but it's very demanding. So over those seven years, I learned a lot about myself. I know myself outside of ministry and just serving and volunteering and being a part of the church, but not really being the church. So when I had that time, I started to figure out a lot of things about myself. And the two past places I worked at were very demanding with my time, very demanding for my time. And through COVID and all the things that we experienced these past two and a half years, I got to a place where I stopped just doing things I enjoyed. Uh, Although I was doing great, good, godly things for the kingdom, when it came to being Alec and the things I enjoyed as a human being, I just stopped doing them. I used to love to surf and I still do. And I was not surfing for the longest time. And I moved from Buena Park, which is really you know, half an hour inland to Huntington Beach. So I had no excuse of, oh, it's too far and I can't make the drive or blah, blah, blah. I lived even closer to the beach and I stopped surfing for a while. I stopped being physically active and I'll blame the weight gain on COVID, but I gained some weight, right? There were some things that you have energy to do that were just who I was that I stopped pursuing because I wasn't taking time to say, you know what? I need to take a step back. I need to figure out my pace, my patterns. I need to figure out my predicaments, my presumptions, all these things that I need to really be intentional of so I can have the best mental health to be who God has called me to be. So at the last church I worked at, I had a conversation with my boss. And I said, hey, I I love working here. I love doing the things that I feel God has called me to do. But I need some space, I just need some time to be able to step away from the things that I have to do and just be a human being. I have to stop doing things for the Lord and just reconnect with him and stop worrying about the awesome message or how many kids have I baptized or how many kids got saved this month or this year. I just need a break to step back and be who I am. Breathe a little bit. have Have some healthy space for my responsibilities. And unfortunately, they weren't able to do that for me. So then I was in this moment saying, man, I know God for sure has called me to be a pastor. He has called me to do some great things. And I can look back in the last seven years and see fruit throughout everything that I was a part of. I need to find a space that will allow me to be a human being and also be a pastor. So I started looking and I had a meeting with Chris and I found South Hills Church. And I was like, man, this seems unbelievable. This guy understands it. This church understands it. This entire staff understands how important it is for you and I to take time away from the things that we have to do. And I'm not saying that all of a sudden I was just like in my PJs all day and not doing anything ministry-wise, but I needed some space just to breathe, to be happy, to, to go to the gym, to serve, to be a good husband, to be a good son there was some space that I needed in my life that I was not taking seriously that got me to a point where I lost my passion and I lost my joy for being a pastor. I'd be driving to church. I'm like, man, I don't even want to be here tonight. I just like want the night off from, from youth ministry and just to hang and relax. I'd be there with kids who were excited to be a part of the ministry, but I wasn't even excited to be there. See, now I didn't take time to recognize how important these simple things of life are, like patterns, healthy things that are just essential for us to be a human being, let alone be a Christian and do the amazing things God has called us to do. And when I came to South Hills, I go, this is exactly where God wants me to be. I have space. I can reflect. I can recognize. I can open my word and say, God, what are some things that I need to change that aren't helping me to become more like you? See, I think all of us need that same space. Whether we work in ministry or we don't, we all need this space to get away from whatever God has called you to do right now in this moment. Just to have some time to breathe, to be who you are, to be a human being. Not having to always be a father or a mother, be, be a, a worker or a boss, be you know the best dad or mother in the world. Just to step away from that for some time and say, okay, hey, what is God calling me to do? What are some patterns I need to figure out? What are some rhythms in my life that I need to start doing to be able to go back into all those spaces and be who God has called me to be in every single one of them? And it would be very difficult if we don't take these things seriously because we will show up with a cup that's either half empty or fully empty. And if we have nothing to pour out, How is God going to use us to impact those people around us? See, I think it's so important for us to understand mental health and anxiety and depression because whether you deal with this or not, there are people around you that may be dealing with this and they're just waiting for one person to say, I'm taking this seriously. Whether it's this season you're in or maybe it's just stress-related from work, that does not matter. What matters is that we have these practices in our life and allow the spirit to speak in so we can go out to the world and impact people in a healthy way. So I want to encourage you is if you wrote some notes or took some pictures, try to practice some of these. maybe this week you look for five minutes in your busy week. And I know a lot of you are busy. I don't have kids yet, so I understand that's another thing. I get that. But just try to find five minutes. Wake up five minutes earlier or maybe go to sleep five minutes later or just something to say, okay, let me practice one of these but for a quick couple of minutes, just turn some things off, put my phone away, take off the hat or the role that I'm wearing. And how can I just step into this space to practice some of these things so I can start allowing healing to come into my life for what God has called me to do. And I can promise you, whenever you invite and have that space, God honors that. When you attempt to do things, when you try to think of even building a house on a firm foundation, in those moments, in the struggle, in the storm, God will meet you and God will honor you in that because God's word says it every single time. That when you're honest, you're open, he comes in, he speaks, he brings life. And I wanna end with the two things that I started with. Peace is possible and this will be our testimony, not your long standing reality. Let's pray
0: well regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey i believe that everyone has a next step that they can take if you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in jesus information about getting baptized or maybe even attending a discover class to grow more in your faith you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash costa mesa and then scroll down to the next steps section if you'd like more information about tithing or supporting south hills financially you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving thanks again for listening today and i hope that i get to see you soon